Thank you for tuning into the Radio Bible Course and our continuing study on the authority of the Bible. The Bible is a record of miracles performed throughout history by prophets, by Jesus, and by apostles. In addition, the Old Testament records events which seem incredible to the natural man. Does God expect us to believe such stories, such as the flood, Jericho's walls falling down, the Exodus crossing of the Red Sea, the story of Abraham and Isaac's birth? Need we believe the miracles of Elijah and Elisha, those 6th century B.C. prophets? The story of Jonah, how about it, written in the 8th century? Is it true? And what about Daniel and being in the lion's den? That was in the 6th century B.C. These stories seem mythological. Then there's the story of the Israelites in the wilderness after they had been led out of Egypt by Moses. God, the story tells us, provided manna in the wilderness, and it fed the people and kept them alive for 40 years. When they tired of manna, which was bread from heaven, he provided quail. Quail? Yes, it tells us that the Israelites went out and captured the quail that God had sent. It also tells us that their sandals did not wear out all during those 40 years in the wilderness. Now, some of that sounds preposterous. There are religious leaders that steer clear of those stories so as not to offend the intelligence of people who attend church. They don't want to be associated or identified with such stories. In the early 1950s, when I was a graduate student at LSU and taught Bible classes on the campus, I met a couple of Okinawan students who were interested in the Bible, and they attended our class. They asked me one day, Mr. Calavota, do we need to believe the miracles in the Bible in order to become Christians? And I pondered it. I had never been asked that question. But after thinking about it for a while, I said, the greatest miracle in the Bible is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we believe it, the others are no problem. And if we don't believe in the resurrection, then why bother being a Christian? If there is no resurrection, the Bible is not true. If there is no resurrection, Jesus is dead. And why bother believing in a dead Savior? Yes, a man must believe the miracles to be acceptable to God because they are a part of God's Word. This is the record of God to man. If there is no resurrection, on what does one's faith rest? Does not faith rest on God's Word? Well, the same Bible that records the miracles also promises eternal life, forgiveness, and salvation. The same Bible that tells us about Jonah and Moses tell us about Jesus, who he was, and what he did. 
That same inspired word of God testifies about the Son of God. He came, he healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. The lame walked and the dead were raised. He spoke for God and acted for God. These are written to confirm his deity. And to deny those miracles is to deny him. If they are false, so is he. Listen to John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life through his name. Why did John write his gospel? This verse tells us he wrote it so that people could believe, and he included both Jew and Gentile, for he said that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. That was aimed at the Jews because they weren't sure that Jesus was the Christ, which means the Anointed One, or the Messiah. And he wrote to the Gentiles by saying that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's a Gentile expression more than a Jewish expression. If John was wrong about the miracles of Jesus, can I trust the promises which he claims that Jesus made? Here's one of them. In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. That chapter tells us how Jesus came to Israel, the sheepfold and said he was calling his own sheep out of that sheepfold to form a new flock. And he said that that flock would be made up of other sheep, which he had. And he was referring there to the Gentiles. The church is made up of Jew and Gentile. Jesus foretold the church. He said, I will build my church and it was to be made up of all men, Jews and Gentiles who believed in him as the Messiah, the Son of God. If the Apostle John, who wrote the Gospel of John, was incorrect about the miracles of Jesus, then perhaps we can't trust the stories that he told us. He told one about Jesus in John chapter 3, verse 14, where Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That's a fantastic story. It was God's Old Testament cure for snakebite. The children of Israel had come out of Egypt, and in their wandering in the desert, they began murmuring against Moses and against God. And God sent judgment. The judgment was poisonous serpents. They bit the people, and the Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 21 that many of the people died. Well, then they came to their senses and came to Moses and said, We have sinned. 
pray to the Lord and ask him to take away the serpents. Moses prayed, but God didn't take away the serpents. However, God gave Moses a cure for a snake bite. He said, Moses, make a serpent out of bronze and put it on a pole. And whoever has been bitten when he looks at the serpent on the pole will live. And so Moses fashioned the serpent, and he put it on a pole, and then told the people what God had said. And everyone who looked at the serpent was healed of snakebite. Can we believe that fantastic story that by looking at a bronze serpent people could be healed of snakebite? Well, apparently the Jews believed it. Apparently it happened. How do we know that? Because in 2 Kings chapter 18, it is recorded that the Jews kept that serpent for hundreds of years, approximately 700 years. And at the time of Hezekiah, they still had it. Listen to what is written in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4. Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah. And he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had burned incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. Why, the people believed in that miracle so much that they kept that bronze serpent as a remedy, a continual remedy for snake bite. And then they turned it into an idol. When they burned incense to it, they thought it was like a god. They treated it like a god. It was a false god. And instead of worshiping the true god who is spirit, they were worshiping a false god who was bronze, who could help them when they were snake-bitten. Did Jesus believe that Old Testament story? You bet he did. He said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. On what? On a pole, just like the serpent was put up on a pole. The pole that Jesus was put upon was a cross pole. It was there that the Son of God went to die for our sins. And just as the judgment of God fell on the Israelites when they had murmured against God and he sent poisonous snakes, so when Jesus was nailed to that cross pole, as recorded in your New Testament, the judgment of God fell on him instead of on the people. It fell on him as Isaiah had foretold. It said the people of Israel had all gone astray. They were like sheep wandering away, turning to their own way. But the Lord laid on him all of our sins. Jesus came for that purpose, to seek and to save those who were lost. He came to die, as the prophet said. It was no accident. Don't mourn about the death of Jesus. Don't grieve. God won't be impressed. God sent him here. He predestined the crucifixion because God wanted to save all men. But the only way he could do it was by the one good man, Jesus Christ. 
The one who had no sin was qualified to die for those who did have sin. It was the only way out. And that's why Jesus could say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you think there is any other way to come to the Father, and there are people who do think there are other ways, they think by keeping the law of Moses, by trying to keep the Ten Commandments, or keep a Sabbath day, or give money to the church, or pray, or read your Bible, that those will get you to God, they won't. They'll only tell you more about how you ought to believe in Jesus in order to get to God. If Jesus is the only way to the Father, then we better come by that way. Abandon all other ways. There are people who think they can do good works in order to get to God. But Jesus said to such people in John chapter 6, when they asked about doing good works for God, he said, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom God has sent. There are some things you can learn by yourself. And in that connection, I recommend that you read the Gospel of John. See what Jesus said about how you could get to the Father and how you could get forgiveness of sins. Another thing that will help is our free booklet on grace, right for today. It will explain salvation by grace and living by grace. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.